Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're discussing Metroid Prime. I'm your host Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. First up, we got Greg. Hello. What's up, man? And uh, last but not least, we got the homie Dante. Reporting in. <laughs> um, this is obviously, you know, you know how we do it. We're always late, so this is uh, my game for the month of March. So I will be kicking us off. Uh, Metroid Prime is the is a first-person action-adventure game developed by Retro Studios and published by Nintendo for the GameCube. It is the fourth main installment in the Metroid franchise and the first game in the series to use 3D graphics in a first-person perspective. Since exploration takes precedence over combat, Nintendo classifies the game as a first-person adventure rather than first-person shooter. The game was a collaboration between Retro staff in Austin, Texas, and Japanese Nintendo employees, including producers Kensuke Tanabe and Shigeru Miyamoto, who suggested the project after visiting Retro's headquarters in 2000. And I got some history here. So, um, Retro Studios was started by Jeff Spangenberg, a self-taught programmer who skipped college to pursue a programming career. Uh, he originally was the lead designer for Punk Development, the development company of the publisher Razorsoft, which was one of the earliest publishers for the Sega Genesis. Uh, their relationship lasted only a year and ended in 1991, and shortly afterwards, Punk Development went defunct, and Jeff started a new studio composed of mostly former Punk Development, which he named Iguana Entertainment. Iguana eventually was acquired in 1995 by Acclaim, but over their lifespan, they released games such as Arrow the Acrobat, Batman Forever, uh, NFL Quarterback Club, and probably the series we've all heard of is NBA Jam. Um, Spangenberg would be fired in 1998, and the following year he founded development company Retro Studios, and Metroid Prime is their very first game. Uh... Metroid Prime is the first game in the Metroid Prime Saga, which takes place between the original Metroid and Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Like previous games in the series, it has a sci-fi setting in which players control Bounty Hunter and series protagonist Samus. I don't How do you say her name? I've never heard it said out loud. Is it Aran? I think so. Samus Aran. <laughs> it's always, I've never heard anybody like say the whole thing. Um, the story follows Samus as she battles the space pirates and their biological experiments on the planet Talon IV. Um, the gameplay involves... I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a four, bro. Okay, Roman numeral four. Okay, yes. Talon four. I, I didn't know. Again, it wasn't said out loud, so just, just reading. Um, the gameplay involves solving puzzles to reveal secrets platforming and shooting foes with the help of a lock-on mechanic that allows for circle strafing while staying aimed at the enemy. Samus must travel through the world of Talon 4 searching for 12 Chozo artifacts while collecting power-ups, weapons, and armor upgrades that let her reach new areas. Items must be collected in a specific order. Uh, you know, f- for example, players can't 
you can't access a certain area until you find a certain beam or a certain upgrade to open the door. Uh, players are incentivized to explore to find upgrades such as ammo packs and extra health. The HUD simulates the inside of Samus's helmet and features a radar display, a map, uh, ammo count, health meter, charge meter, danger meter. Um, the game also introduces a health sy- hint system that provides the players with clues about ways to progress through the game. Uh, Metroid Prime was released in North America on November 18th, tw- uh, 2002 on the GameCube and the following year in Japan and Europe. It received universal praise and commercial success, selling over 2.8 million units worldwide. It won numerous Game of the Year awards and is regarded by many critics and gamers as one of the greatest video games ever made. And it's one of the highest rated games on Metacritic. I think as of today, I saw it was like rated, it was like 97 on Metacritic, which is not bad. Um, one day following its North America release, Nintendo released the Game Boy Advance game Metroid Fusion, marking these games as the return of the Metroid series after an eight-year hiatus following Super Metroid. And then, in addition to Metroid, the, the Metroid Prime main series, uh, Retro Studio has also developed all the Metroid Prime spinoffs. So there's like a Metroid Prime Hunters game for DS, a Metroid Prime pinball game for DS, and the Metroid Prime Trilogy uh, for Wii. They developed Mario Kart 7 for the 3DS, and they also revitalized another toss-aside Nintendo franchise with Donkey Kong Country. So they developed Donkey Kong Country Return to Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. And as of 2019, it was announced that they'd be taking over development of Metroid Prime 4 from Bandai Namco and restarting development because the the previous two years of development under Bandai had not met Nintendo standards. So, yeah. I completely forgot they were doing another one. Yeah, that's why it was the Metroid Prime Saga instead of the Metroid Prime Trilogy, because they were doing a fourth game. So, I actually, um, you know, initially, or normally when we do these things, we do an intro and then we go around and ask everybody's background. Um, I just wanted to say that I had no idea about the history of Metroid. Um, yeah, it's it's wild. Not Not like a crazy, like... Oh, wild, but just like um, it's very interesting. Um, so now, having said that, let me kick it to you, Dante. What is your background with Metroid? Hmm. So it's hard for me to actually piece together the order I played the Metroid games, simply because, like, personally, I feel like Metroid wasn't a very popular franchise in the West until um, kind of the Maybe it's me being an N64 kid, but I feel like a lot of people didn't know who Samus was when they first um, saw her in Super Smash back in the day. Yeah. But I'd like to say it was either, really it's a real toss-up between Super, Metroid, this, and Fusion as far as which one I played first. However, I have played all those. I've played the newest one, Dread. I played the 2 remake for the 3DS as well as a fan remake of 2 on the PC. And there's one more. Zero Mission. I've played Zero Mission on GBA. Uh, And Hunters on the DS. From my understanding, at least it sounds like when I listen to podcasts now, this has sparked this up because of Metroid Dread's recently being released, but... The West was 
the region that enjoyed Metroid. It's not very popular in Japan. Yes, but at the same time, it wasn't like a breakout Nintendo franchise. Yeah, it it doesn't do numbers here, but it does better here than it does in the West, or in in Japan, because like I said, this game came out November 2002, and it didn't even come out for another year in Japan or Europe, so it was only in North America for a full year, which is wild to me. Um, It doesn't surprise me. I'm almost kind of surprised it even got the port to japan because japan is kind of notorious for not really at least back in the day not being very um apt to first person games yeah yeah so like a lot of first person shooters just never got ported over there because the whole market share of fps games was super low yeah but it's just it's just wild though because it was like miyamoto had the foresight and like I wanted he wanted to work with the western developer to develop this game but then it was like only supposed to be for a western audience because I I imagine had it not got the accolades and garnered the attention that it did it would have maybe only been a US exclusive or North America exclusive game which is wild to me (laughs) Because it makes it seem like it's this little side project. <laughs> um, what about you, Greg? What's your what's your background with Metroid? Um, so like I, I don't think I ever played the original one on NES. I think I just kind of saw saw it in passing. Like probably saw it over at a friend's house or something. Same with Super Metroid. I, I had a Super Nintendo, but I just never was like into the franchise like that. And I think I played. I want to say I played Fusion, which that was the first one that came out on GBA, right? I think. Correct. Yeah. I think I played Fusion first, then I played uh, Prime. So those were my two. And then I think I played a little bit of um, Zero Mission. And yeah, I don't think I ever got around to Prime uh, 2 or 3. Oh, shoot. I did play those. I did play Prime 2 and Prime 3. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I actually have the chronology uh, chronology up too. But um, just to go on my background, I didn't play Metroid growing up. Um, I think my we kept our boxes for our, our game consoles. So um, I remember growing up seeing the we had the Super Nintendo with that that was released with Donkey Kong. So it was like the combo thing. And um, on the back, it had some previews or whatever for other games. And I remember like thinking the Super Metroid graphics looked cool. Um, and then it was like years later when I was in high school, uh, one of my people that I rode the bus with, I don't know, I think I bought, I think I bought Super Metroid off of him for like five, five or ten dollars. And um, uh, I played it then, but I didn't get super, super far into it. I did get Metroid on um, when they, I think it was Game Boy Advance started releasing classic NES games, and so I got the original Metroid that came out on GBA, but I couldn't make any progress in that game, um, and I was like, uh, not not here for the when you leave a screen and go back, the enemies respawn. Like I just was like, I'm not here for that, so. Um, I was over it, and then I I didn't end up playing Super Metroid for real until, like, college, and I beat it. I did get Metroid Prime Trilogy, and I remember playing Metroid Prime, but um, I don't remember 
getting really far in it. And um, I had thought, like, if you would ask me before we played this game, I would have said, yeah, I beat Metroid Prime. But, like, there was so much in this game that I played that I was like, oh, I don't remember this, don't remember this, don't remember this. So, um, I only, and I'd only touched the first game. And I lent it to my uh, wife's younger brother, and he lost it. So I had to, <laughs> I had to rebuy this game on GameCube, and I had a whole ordeal with that. Because, um, dude sent me the wrong game. He sent nice. you the sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I purchased um, this game on eBay, and I got it like you know a week later. And the dude had sent me Metroid Prime Two instead of Metroid Prime One. And I was like, "Bro, what's up? What, what happened?" And then he tried to he tried to stiff me and just be like, "Well, you know, whatever." But I'm like, "No, I wanted the game I wanted." <laughs> um, I like, but sure? yeah, what's it, what'd you say? He's like, are you sure, man? Yeah, and then he was like, all right, well, you know, I'll give you $5 off if you send it back to me. I'm like, all right, cool. And then when he lists the, the when he gets the game back, he lists it for $5 more. I'm like, fam, this is not the discount that you think it is. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of slick. You got to kind of appreciate that hustle with scummy. And then, and then he was like, but then he was like, well, if I don't sell it at this, then I'm not going to make any money. I'm like, bro, you sold it like that beforehand. And I, I just told him, I was under the assumption you were going to give me $5 off. If you're going to make me pay the same amount, that's cool. But like, at least be, you know, like upfront about it. But he, yeah. I, he, I ended up getting it from him. So it all worked out. And, um, yeah. And, uh, uh, as far as the chronology, so I think I said in my intro that this game is the second game in the series or in the order. So it goes Metroid, the the original Metroid game, Metroid Zero Mission is just a remake of that game. So it's basically the same game. And then Metroid Prime, Metroid Prime Hunters, which that was one of those DS games I was talking about. or um, And then Metroid Prime 2, 3... I never even heard of this game, Metroid Prime Federation Force, which was a 3DS game. Is that the shooter? It looks like, it, looks like um, it was a... It says, this game was further derided for its poor timing as it was a spin-off title that it was announced when the series had been on hi- hiatus since the controversial Metroid Other M. So this oh, game man, came out in 2016. Like, the cover makes it look like a Power Rangers game. To be, Is it to Chibi? No, it's it's first person like um I could have sworn it, it was a 3DS game. Yeah, this game, is so... chibi. It's like if you look at the character models and stuff, it's very Oh, okay. I cute. I was looking at the Wikipedia page, so just like the cover of the box art and a screenshot of gameplay. Cuz yeah, I remember seeing this in Normal I don't try to let gamer outrage get the best of me. But you did. But I was like, I have no interest whatsoever. I didn't like write an angry letter. But at the same time, I was like, I, I remember being on the boards, wherever those boards were at the time, and just being like, yeah, these people might have a point. This does kind of look, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we went, we went Metroid slash Zero Mission, Prime, Prime Hunters, Prime Two, Prime Three, Prime Federation Force, Metroid Two, which is on GB on the original Game Boy. Then Super Metroid, then Other M, then Fusion, and then Dread, which is also a weird thing because they said Dread was a sequel to Fusion, which to me is like, shouldn't you just say Dread is the most recent iteration of Metroid? Well, since all the Metroids like 
fit between. It's a non-linear series, so they have very much like been like, oh, this is game one, this is game three, and this is game two. So knowing that it's a direct sequel to Fusion makes it very clear. Sure. It's yeah. just like because I mean, came... Dread. You even start, I think, with the fusion suit, gotcha. or at least like the version that you had at the end of the. Fusion. It's just wild to think about these games came out two a day within each other, and then there were seven games that they fit between the two. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of another franchise. I guess the closest thing that I can think of is Black Flag and Rogue for Assassin's Creed, where they did like the next gen version with Black Flag, and then I think Rogue released on the same day, but for the previous-gen consoles. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, I mean, and even that's a bigger, you know, there's a disparity there. Like, complete 3D game versus 2D game. There's just, like, you don't see that type of synergy, is what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um... Yeah, so um, yeah, that's that's the the history, our history with uh, Metroid. And if, for those of you that are at home wondering, we can tell you what Trevor's history is. <laughs> or should I say that? He's probably watching episode? on Twitch. Let me. Uh... So hey, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about our friend Trevor. <laughs> All right. What's up? what's up? I feel like since we've been doing this podcast, he's always said he's always talked about. Liking, enjoying Metroid Fusion, right? Yeah, yeah. And being a fan of the Metroid series, okay. did you know that the franchise the only Metroid game he's played? Oh, what'd you say? <laughs> he's he said that he's a big fan of the Metroid series, and the only game he's played is Metroid Fusion. I mean, maybe that just left such a big, you know, mark on him, you know. He just... <laughs> Greg, is, Greg is being peaceful. <laughs> Me and Dante choose violence. <laughs> I just was like, I, I told Trevor, so you mean to tell me me and you have played the same amount of Metroid games? <laughs> like, because I was just under the assumption that he had played more than one. Despite having started the franchise even earlier than he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I just, I just was like, I don't know if I would say you're a fan of the Metroid franchise and you're just a fan of the Metroid Fusion game, which is still, like, valid. I just, you know, I was just kind of like, you probably should, it's like me saying I played, and I told him it was like me saying I love tacos, but then I've only had chicken tacos. <laughs> or being like you're a Marvel a Marvel fan, but you only play Marvel 3, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I know I know. since then, since then he's played Dread, and I know he enjoys 100% Dread and really enjoys it. But I just was like, like you, you, you're like a slice of the whole thing you've only interacted with. How can you say you enjoy everything? But yeah, so we we, we had we had some 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 discussions about that because I was like, it just doesn't make any sense. I was, I just thought you had more background in this franchise. And <laughs> hey, he know he knows what he likes. He knows yeah, he he, 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 he know what he said. He said one. you you know me. I tell yeah. you, a game is easy or hard within the first five minutes of playing it. You know. <laughs> And I was like, touche, I forgot, I forgot. Um, but yeah, let's let's get back on track. So, um, kind of like what I said, the story, you know, revolves around Samus. And just to set the stage, um, the game starts off and you get a distress, like an unidentified distress beacon that's been tracked to a derelict spaceship that's orbiting above Talon 4. And then, um, 
you know, Samus's trusty old orange rounded spaceship comes into view. And then you see her kind of jump out of her ship, dock, you know, dock at the deck of the outpost and um, she gets out of ship or gets out of ship and enters the station. The station is kind of like a complete disarray. There's fires burning everywhere. Several parts are collapsed. There's kind of like weird mutated aliens and tubes all over the place. And um, you kind of, the game kind of uses this as a intro, like tutorial moment to kind of give you the, the, here's the lay of the controls and everything. Um, And actually, uh, I think the, the ship is identified as the space pirate uh, ship uh, Orpheon, which was one of the ships that escaped after the fall of Zebes, which was the very end of, the first Metroid slash Zero Mission, so this is like a nod to like this is immediately after the uh, events of the first game. Um, uh, one of the other uh, ships that kept Metroids aboard and the pirates have assumed, resumed experiments with them on planet uh, Talon Four to create bioweapons. Um, their repeated mentioning of experimenting on local animal life with the unknown substance called Phazon. Um, and then obviously these experiments have kind of gone wrong because a lot of the space pirates on the ship are dead or near dead. And then finally, um, you come up to like this huge mutated, like parasite queen that survived and you defeat it. Uh, the ship's overloads, which starts to destruct sequence and you have to quickly get out of the ship. Um, you get to a large area and you meet basically, uh, was it Ridley? Um, who's like the big bad in the Metroid, one of the big bads, I guess you could say, in the Metroid, uh, lore, and, um, you, uh, I don't, I don't remember what happens at the beginning, but you, uh, get blasted and an explosion, like, slams you against the wall, and at this point, you know, like, in all Metroid games, you have all your abilities and everything, like, from the jump. And so this was like the, one of the first times, I think the only time that I can think of in the two games that I've played, uh, <laughs> where you um, have everything and you lose it and there's like a like justifiable way. So like you have, like once you get blasted against the wall, you see in your HUD that most of your functions of your suit basically get uh, start malfunctioning. And so um, you get left with just a few basic, I think, jump and like your shot. And then uh, you board your ship and you see Ridley fly off on Talon 4, towards Talon 4, and you follow him uh, to the surface of the planet but lose sight of him and you have no choice but to land. And that is where the game starts with, the actual game starts with you landing on Talon 4 and hopping out your ship. So what did you guys think of this like intro tutorial section on the space pirate ship uh, Orpheon? I'll start with you, Dante. Um, I thought it was really well done. It's a completely separate area, and it kind of um, sets up the context for the game, so you're kind of just investigating and whatnot, and of course they have the tutorialization in there, but it all kind of makes sense, so it's like, oh, I've got to scan these things, and that teaches you how to scan, and you run into a couple different types of enemies, I'd like to say. And it gives you a, you know, really quick glance to get acclimated with the controls without being super, you know, intrusive, I guess. 
like my thing with tutorials is I really prefer if they're not like off to the side completely like a skippable thing that they somehow integrate it and it's just not like well hit a to do this because we told you to they actually give you like a contextual reason for most of that stuff what about you Greg? I think it's a pretty well uh, well done introduction to the game. You know, it pretty much gives you all the basics, and like Dante was saying, it's it all seems pretty contextual. It's not like uh, it doesn't seem forced. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't have any issues with it. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, and I just uh, I agree with you guys. These are my favorite types of tutorials where they like apply it to like actual in game use. Whether instead of it being where you're like in a area where you can't get damaged and you're just beating up like random I don't know like oh, punch bags or whatever like I, I like it when you're like actually like in the game experiencing it and then I really like the setting too just being on the spaceship and I mean I even I'm, I'm not normally a fan of like you gotta get out of this place fast it's gonna explode but like even that was it was fun in this opening context so I, I really did enjoy this um, and then uh, moving forward, like when you guys get to Talon, um, I, I think you had said you you have played this game. Um, before. I mean, I guess you both have played this game before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When when was the last time you guys have played? Oh, I don't know. It had to have been like I don't know, fifteen years ago or something. At this point, it's been a while. I'd like to say this is a game I go through maybe like every seven ish years. So. Probably at the end of college, if I had to guess. Gotcha. my last time. I, and I realized that like you, you guys both played emulator, like on PC. Yeah. Yeah. GameCube controllers or? No, nah, I just use a, a Xbox One controller. Yep. Okay. Did you guys change up your buttons dramatically from your? No, nah, it works. Per- I think it works better than a GameCube controller. Yeah, I didn't really switch anything. I was trying to think of anything. I guess the one thing that it doesn't translate as well is like you know with the GameCube controller, like the the left uh, trigger has like a click. So like, yes. you know, when you would lock on, you would click, <laughs> yes. and then you could like let off a little bit and then click back in to uh, switch the lock on. So like, obviously, you don't have like that same tactile feel, but I mean, it still works the same way. But okay, yeah. So one of the things that I struggled with was like. I kept having that. The clicking sound was very annoying, like when I was trying to strafe and just move around. The other thing that I kind of struggled with was the, the side the side jumping or side uh, side dodge. Because the, oh, yeah, yeah. you use the A button to charge, and the B button is your jump button. And quickly tapping that small button while I was holding down the charge button, for whatever reason... I would say 50%, and I don't know if it's my controller. I mean, it was, probably was my controller, but like 50% of the time, it wouldn't. I didn't tap it fast enough, so I would start jumping instead of side dodging. And um, that was that was a pain. I was like one of the few times, like I, I think most of the time when I'm playing GameCube games, I'm like, yeah, I like the controller. That This was one of the few times where I was like, it makes sense that the A button is the charge button, but I wish they were like more of the same size in this particular game. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's just kind of like, well, I guess that's like their idea, like the action button. So like they always make sure that's like the, the main thing. But yeah, I guess it's kind of weird. So you you guys use the, the, the bottom button as the charge button? or you, and then the Correct, like the Xbox A button. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. so and then that's that really been... convenient because, um, like, at least the way I hold the controller, I'm holding it right now. I have like, I guess the top joint of my thumb resting on the A, and then the, like the meaty part of my thumb is right on the X. So it's just kind of there. Yeah. So like for me, when I was in the <coughs> middle of the game, I would use the tip of my thumb as the A. But anytime I was like in in combat or whatever, I would like kind of slide my thumb up to using like the, I guess the the knuckle, the part that bends. As mm-hmm. the charging part and trying to use the side of my thumb for the B. And yeah, I think that's how I remember I had to had to play it on GameCube. And then, like, I just felt like my <laughs> playing this game too. My left thumb, my left index finger, got so much stronger than my right because the amount of time I had to like hit the left button, left button to like lock on and everything. And because the GameCube triggers are so clicky, it was like this is kind of a noisy game playing. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I don't miss that controller. I like it, but it, it was yeah, it was a nuisance on this particular game. Um, but yeah, I guess let's go into controls uh, further into controls. Did you guys have any other? Qual- did you guys have any qualms with the controls, or just not necessarily just with the controller, but just navigating in this world? Um. There's things that like kind of bug me a little bit, but then I also have to kind of like think like, okay, this game was like made in what 2002 or whatever. Right? Yeah, so it's, like, yeah. There's things like I don't find uh, like vertically aiming very easy to do. Like it's yeah. just kind of annoying when something's like right above your line sight and you want to get it. You know, there's things like that. Uh, there's no real easy way to strafe. Like if you want to strafe and then like set yourself up in a like you know strafe and turn a little bit you know it's like it's kind of annoying doing things like that but i, I don't think is this like tank controls yeah yeah well you kind of i guess it's kind of like what it is you miss it not having dual analog but like it's not a big enough deal where it's like oh i'm just dying all the time or just taking a lot of damage in battles because of it i mean it can't happen a few times but uh, I don't know. It never became a huge nuisance where I'm like, okay, I really wish this had like dual analog gaming. Yeah, I think because this game is first person, it's less of a, it's less of an issue than it yeah. Was. Like, um, I know we talked about it a little bit in the group chat, but I couldn't imagine playing the Wii version of this game. I just don't like in my mind adding the second analog stick would mess things up. More than help, so. Well, I, if I, I, I don't. I wish I, I wish I hadn't gotten rid of the trilogy. So, oh, and this is PSA to anybody listening: if you have this game on trilogy or on the Wii version of the trilogy, it is going for a lot of money on eBay. Uh, so hold on to it. Yeah, <laughs> I, hate that. I think I sold mine for like sixty bucks or something. Yeah, like that. it, it was. I, I kept seeing auctions go for one fifty, one seventy, or something yeah. like that. So it was it. And that's with or without, you know, cases and, and stuff like that. So it's it's worth some money. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I wish I remembered what the because I, I don't think it, it full. I think the the motion control part was only for when you were doing the aiming, like the for me it was holding the right trigger and then you could start moving around. So I feel like with the with the Wii remote, I think it was when you hold the uh, the B button on the back of the remote itself. I feel like that's when you would they would come into play, but I don't remember for a hundred percent certainty. 
Does um, it that's working? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, if that's just working like the way I envision, I don't know if it like is as good, but like, man, that seems like that would be so, that would be so much nicer. Um, but if it's, that's if it's working the way I'm envisioning it, but they may. It may still just yeah. I, I definitely don't think it's like you can use the motion as basically like a second stick. I definitely don't think it was that. I think it was just using it when you're doing the oh, I got the it. aiming, looking up, looking down aspect. I think that's how it worked. Like out of combat type of. No, I'm talking about in combat when you would hold it. Like if oh. you're standing still and then you're looking up and looking down. That's what I'm talking about. With your, see, with I, your... I wouldn't like that because then it's like. Shifting things around just by you moving it. Gotcha. And, like, the lock-on in this game is, like, they designed the game around the lock-on. So, it's not like you're having to, you know, really trail an enemy or, like, work on your headshot, per se. It's just, like, once you have that left stick in, it's just about getting those shots in when they, you know, sometimes they'll dodge and you have to wait for them to stop or, you know, you'll have to strafe while you're fighting, but... There was a something really annoying with the aerial enemies. That's the yeah, exactly, like, exactly. When it becomes an issue, but like for eighty percent of the game, I would never say it's like it's not huge, but those that twenty percent can be a little annoying sometimes. I think I think for me, it was like a very like you said a very select few parts, and most of the time it was like a minor inconvenience. It was yeah. like when the, spy, the space pirates like flew up right above you. And having to look up, and I like I wish you could speed up how quickly you w- looked when you were stationary. Um, and then um, I think there was like a shaft like that went up. Those little electricity enemies. Um, I tried to clear them out before I did the spider ball up, but I couldn't get all of them because I couldn't look high up high enough. And um, and then I think it was the the second to last boss. Uh, the um, no, okay. The the boss before that, I I only wrote down. I think it was the Omega Pirate. I think when you that's were fighting. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, I was gonna say that's the one that like goes invisible after you do like you take down his weak points, or am I thinking somebody else? And yeah, and then more of the yeah, and and that one because there's that phase on stuff on the ground. Yeah, yeah, and I. What were you about to say? No, I think that that's that fight, yeah, right. And and yeah, and and so like that one, like I wish I could like quickly turn around to see where I was standing at, and and like, so, but and that was just like a, a not b- being super familiar with where the the oil spots were on the ground, and having to avoid this guy, and just like not necessarily knowing my surroundings. Less of a control issue and just more of a me issue. Or, Yeah, I was going to say, I guess we just had kind of different approaches for the aerial enemies. So while you were looking up, a lot of times I would try to find something to climb up. So generally speaking, when I had an aerial enemy, the double jump was my biggest ally. So I would double jump, and then if I needed to adjust from there, I would do the adjustment, and then I'd lock on. Gotcha. Gotcha. That, yeah, that makes but, sense. But I mean, I, I get it. Like, if you were trying to do that stuff on the ground, it would be frustrating. Yeah, I'm just an amateur. The only other thing, and this was more so on me, and it's not necessarily a game, but because of the game, the way it was, it, like, I, tr- I didn't do a lot of looking up and down outside of combat. 
So there was a few times where I was stuck because I wasn't seeing the thing right in front of me. So I think they do a really good job. This game was created with everything, like, in a in a way, on a flat plane. So, like, the parts I'm talking about was where you had to shoot the stalactites as uh, platforms and everything like that. And I was like, I don't see anything. I'm not hitting the left trigger because I'm, I'm, I'm used to using the lockdown in combat. So there was a couple times where I felt like I was stuck. And then I'd be like, oh, this is what I was supposed to do. And I kept coming into this room like three or four times but not seeing anything and not realizing that the answer was right in front of me. And this mostly because I was like training myself to only use the lock-on in combat. And I don't know, like, it, again, that was more of a me issue. But did you guys run into that ever? Uh, maybe with, I guess my thing was normally when I get into a room, the first thing, since I wasn't going for a hundred percent per se, but I was trying to get as much stuff as possible. And the one thing I did look up was like missable scans. So, um, I would always try to scan a room either immediately or after I took taken out all the enemies that were shooting me directly. That actually makes so, sense. Because I'm assuming when you scan something, like you're looking around, you're like, oh, that's something I can interact with. Yeah, and the thing is, it will automatically kind of... You know how it puts that orange square over yeah, anything that's scannable? Yeah, red. Yeah, so it kind of makes it impossible to miss. Did you scan a lot, Greg? Uh, not really. I, would, I wasn't going out my way to scan everything, but like if I was in an environment sometimes... Um, because sometimes I wasn't sure if it was part of like a puzzle or anything, so I might just scan something. Like, yeah. if I thought there was a reason to do it, I was doing it, but I wasn't just doing it. Just yeah, just yeah. Like so like I, I wasn't getting a lot of the story beats or like the space pirate logs and everything. I was mostly like this thing. Like I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to use it. Let me go ahead and scan it and see what it says. I was scanning enemies too. So like, yeah, um, like because like one of the rooms I was thinking of Dante was like there was this room with the little electric jellyfish that latch onto you mm-hmm. and then there was also that big like flying hovering like kind of sea turtle thing that you could latch onto right it was like an ice cave and then there was two stalactites but i didn't this, know. this is the one with the missile where you have to shoot the stalactite into the ice below to get the missile i think yeah yeah so so um I went in there and I scanned the the one back guy, I killed it. I scanned the other one, saw, oh, you need a grapple beam. So I was like, well, I don't have the grapple beam yet. Therefore, I can't move forward in this room. And I completely missed slash ignored the stalactites because I was like, oh, clearly, like, I need a grapple before I can come back in here. So I kept going back in that room and like, I don't have the grapple beam yet. Like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, so I guess just... We had kind of fundamentally different views on how to approach this game, I guess, because, you know, we've, like, I've had a lot of experience with the series where, you know, this is your first one. So when I see stuff like that, when you see stuff like that, your first inclination is, oh, I'm not ready to be here. Yep. My first inclination is, oh, I'm going to need to return here at some point. Mm-hmm. So, and I could see how, like, you could, pretty easily get turned around if you're like, oh, I just can't do this room yet, and you start going in, you know, another direction. Yep, yep, yep. And, like, so that was why the hint system was both a blessing and a curse sometimes. 
because sometimes it was like uh, the hit system was really smart because it was like, hey, we have a I forgot what the wording was, but like a unknown distress or some type of uh, unknown activity happening here. And it would show you on the map or like uh, where you should be heading, but you didn't necessarily have to head there. I mean, it was like a way to spur you along. Um, but there were times when I couldn't, like I, when I didn't have that hint where I was like, could really use a hint right now, but I don't know how to trigger it. I don't know what I need to do in order to get this hint. So I know where I need to go. Uh, you know, I couldn't figure out what it was, but like what I ended up doing was like, if I was lost, I would just leave the game, just sitting there for a while. And eventually it would just give me a hint. Still, <laughs> but. I don't know how long it took, but after like maybe a few minutes or so, like then it'll give you the hint. The two ways I found out, or at least I think I found out, was like one, if you go on like a area leaving elevator to a new area, that seems to fast forward it. It won't always be instant, but it will make it better. Option number two is quitting the game and coming back in and normally this game does the thing that a lot of games probably should do and just pretty much within the first minute or so it will tell you like, hey, this is your Where next you main go. objective. I think yeah. that's pretty yeah. good because if you think about it the way like this game is, like you could potentially, like I'm just thinking about it, like if I took like a few days off or maybe like a week off or whatever, yep. I might come back and then just be like, hold on, what am I doing? Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of, that's how it seems to me, but yeah, I could, I could see that being an issue. Yeah, it was it was very smart and like I didn't feel like it was Did you did either of you guys feel like it cheapened the experience? No, not really. Mm-mm. I felt like it was super smart and it was a feature you could turn on or off. So it wasn't like necessary, but I thought it was like super helpful without being super handholdy. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It it toes the line of being a this this is like taking the word hint and like really thinking about what a hint is and they do a good job of not backseating you as a player and being like hey here's the direct line like you know how thousands of games nowadays who would just see like you are 5,000 meters away and if you hold the left stick in we're gonna draw a blue line for you Mm -hmm. this game's just like you need to get here you can kind of figure it out normally on the way there there's like one door that you didn't have access to but now you have the beam or you know, something that will get you there. Yeah, yeah. I think that also is a really, really nice thing about the map. And did you guys use the map a lot? Because I used the map a lot. I used the map a lot, but I had trouble. uh, I don't know if I went like dumb or something, but like later on in the game, when like you had more of the map, like that you could see and everything, it, was it like, gets a little convoluted, especially exactly. near the like, this goes phase on mines where there's like <laughs> elevators to the same area within an area. So that one, the phase on mines specifically have three levels. Yeah. And kind of navigating the map is, it's a little rough. You can do it. It just, you have to spend some time. It, to it figure made it out. me think about like, hmm, is this map better than the uh, Hyperlight Drifter map? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was like. I think that may be the worst map I've had in a game, and I was just like, "This is this is kind of close." Because there were times where I was like, "This elevator goes to the Magmore Cavern, so it goes like West Mavern, you know, like they have like West, South, and in East." But I was like, "I don't know which one is which." 
Yeah. Like I, and, and that was the part. It was like, I need to get to Magmore Caverns. This is the closest elevator to me. It says south, but, like, I have no idea. Like, I, doesn't south line up with south, like... They didn't have. If you assume they didn't have a, um, what's it called? But what, what I'm saying is, like, top of the screen is north, right of the screen is east. Like, I'd have to actually have the maps up. Well, but. that I that I assume, but I was I was constantly turning. Yeah. The map, so like it was really easy to get like, con- like mixed up, and it wasn't it like the elevator rooms in particular told you where they were going, but not what the name of the room was. Hmm. You get what I'm saying? I so I know it would say like, you know, elevator to Magmore Cavern South versus North or whatever. Yeah. But what was the other part of that? So so like what I'm saying is is like, I would keep toggling back and forth between the two. Oh, um, areas. Areas to see. Okay, so this one says it goes to Magmore Cavern South, and then I go to Magmore Caverns. So I'm like, this one says it's going to. Uh, over what is it? Talon Overworld North West West. Are these this going to the same spot? Like, if I go here, is it? Am I there now? Or like that was the part I didn't understand. I'm a little confused with what you're saying because, like, if the elevator's taking you to Talon Overworld West, it's going to take you to the West. Well, he, I guess elevator. he's trying to say he couldn't figure out on the map where West was. On, yes, in that, zone. <laughs> that was the issue I, I, I had too. Okay. I get what you're saying, but they do like I'm looking at it just a flat map right now, and ignoring the rotation thing, which the rotation is a big deal. They do actually line up with like northeast, southwest, but it yeah. would have helped if they had some type of compass on top of that. It, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. And it, it was like a, a very minor thing because the 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 map, other than that, does a really good job of like telling you all the information, like. I'm assuming you guys all found the map rooms in each of the worlds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you were able to see which, you know, which rooms you didn't visit, which rooms you did, knowing, like, oh, I need this. I kept the key up for myself. So, like, oh, I knew that I can't access this particular door until I have this weapon and things like that. So, it was super clear to me, like, what yeah, I needed that's in order to That's the thing I wanted to point out, just, like... This game would have been an absolute nightmare. Like, aside from the compass stuff, like, I think this map does a lot of stuff right. And one thing specifically is showing every single color coding for the doors. Because, like, if it was just like, okay, you got the ice beam. Now find out, you know, just where to go. It would be so much more difficult than being able to look at that map and being like, okay, here are all the little white horizontal bars on the map, and clearly I haven't been through there, and I can just kind of like pinpoint exactly which of these rooms I haven't been to. And, you know, this game does the general good game design thing of like, once you have an item to get to the next area, you have to use the item you just got yeah. as a tool to progress. Yeah, yeah. It's like once you get an item, it's either going to be used in a puzzle, in combat, or something. So, like, you get to, you immediately know how to use the thing. And yeah, you're right. That is like a great game design. Uh, kind of slightly just going back a little bit. 
to the map too. Even when it was like you got a hint and it was like go to this room and it's a single room floating out in the abyss and you have never been to any rooms close to it and like you before you had your map upgrade, it was always super clear which room you needed to go to that you had previously visited in order to get to that room. Which was also like I thought like really smart. <laughs> Like, mostly thinking of, like, boss rooms or, like, you know, like, oh, I need to go to this area. And it's just, like, you, you know what I'm talking about? When it's, like, a room that you, you, like, you haven't visited anything around it, so it hasn't even populated on the map yet. hmm Yeah, I, I just, I was, like, I really, really appreciated, and I'm, like, I, I can't imagine playing this game without using the map, to be honest. Even if you don't necessarily understand it, it just makes things so much more digestible. Right, and I go ahead. Oh, no, I was I was just gonna say I, I only had one complaint uh, with the map. Oh, I guess it's not the map's fault. It's just the way the game's designed. So you know when you change your visor or whatever, like you lose the uh, mini map in the top right, and that just bugged me so many times. It, like especially if I had to use X-ray or whatever, because I uh, like. I don't know why, but it, for whatever reason, it just got on my nerves. I was like, I really wish they still had the the mini map visible during those other ones. But yeah, that w- that would be nice. There's not really any like, I don't know why they did that. Honestly, unless it was just like, hey, we don't want to obfuscate more of your view for these specialized type of scanners. You know? Yeah, I feel like. But yeah, it would be super nice. I feel like the times I was using the special visors was so few and far between that I was already like, I think this is what I need to use right here. And then I would look and be like, oh, nope. But I could see, like, if you were like, oh, am I facing the right wall? <laughs> like, let me pause it and check yeah. if I'm facing <laughs> Well, one of the things, um, I guess, Greg, did you finish the game? No, so I, I got to the, I guess I got to the point where we had to collect all the um, artifacts. artifacts. And I got okay. six of them, but yeah. I Do you know what percentage you were at, roughly? Uh, God, I want to say it was like 45 or 50, I want to say. Okay, so you're relatively low. Marcus, you finished at 65-ish? Yeah, so I'm willing to bet that I was further along. I, I maybe collected a few more things than you, Greg. Do you do you remember how many mm-hmm. missiles and or power bombs, or what is it, super bombs you had? Uh, So missiles, I think I was around 60. I had five... Super bombs. Uh, oh, five health? D. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was like around nine health. I had a hundred missiles, and I had about five super bombs. I know Dante damn near had everything. Yeah, I got up to eighty four percent, and what all that was to say, like, if you're trying to find a lot of the secrets, then that's like when you really do use those other visors, especially like once you get the X ray, that is crucial for just finding like gaps in the wall or like invisible platforms and stuff like that and thermal also helps you out just being able to like sometimes see beyond a wall and just be like oh okay there's a power bomb expansion here so from a i guess mainlining point of view there's not very many circumstances where you're really using the thermal and x-ray outside of a few key rooms and a few key um, areas but if you're going for a hundred percent those things become a lot more um handy gotcha so yeah i could definitely 
agree with Greg's um, criticism that it'd be nice to just have that map, especially because like at that point in the game, you're just trying to navigate the map and trying to figure out what rooms haven't I hit, what rooms might have potential, um, you know, upgrades Secrets. and stuff. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, and what you guys? <laughs> we're kind of going all over the place, but in a in a natural way. Um, how would you guys think of the world itself and just the environments and uh, the just traversing? I'm a really big fan of it, personally. <laughs> like, for... When was this game released? 2003? 2002. Okay, it was an 0-2 game. One year after the GameCube. Okay. So, for its time, and even for its generation... In my opinion, this is one of the best-looking games of that gen, if not, like, the best-looking GameCube game. It's definitely up there. And then you also have a good variety of textures. Um, So, you know, some of the textures, obviously, they haven't aged well. Like you were saying, the water hasn't... The water's not great. But, like, all the foliage and particle effects and like, faking of reflections and stuff was just kind of uncanny at the time. Top like, notch. <laughs> it's absolutely top notch. And, like, I'll tell you what, playing that on an emulator at 4K, it looks really good. It still looks really good. So, um... It's, it's, it's the minor and minute details where it's, like, there's an explosion super close to your face and you see the reflection of Samus inside of the visor. Uh, there is like you're walking under a waterfall and you see like the your screen getting uh, like water condensation on it uh, like you're walking through the lava area and you see like the steam rising up it's it's really really like really really cool and like it it definitely does a really good job of like putting you in these environments and it's it's like those things that like i think we had talked about it um with like Laura, the tomb raider game where it was like you know when she gets off the water she's like wringing out her hair this is like that kind of stuff that they were doing like back in 2002 <laughs> and it's uh, it's great and this is adjacent slightly off topic but like this game does the thing it fixes the thing, in fact, all the games that came after it kind of perverted the thing that it does with the whole like scanning and just digestible text in a game. This game actually like has a contextual reason for all of these scans. It's like, okay, this is just database info, and Samus is essentially like scanning and analyzing. You, whereas you mean most like, mod- like a codex is what you're saying? Yeah, the codex. Whereas most games like. It's just like, oh, well, this character decided to leave a um, random tape recorder on the desk (laughs) as they were dying. Like, five minutes before they died, they left this thing saying, I think um, main player's after me. I don't know how much longer I can hold off. Little does he know I'm actually on his side. I'm just faking it. You know, stuff like that. And this game just, by having the whole scanner visor and just making that a gameplay element and encouraging you to kind of just look around and like also admire the beauty as you're get, gathering information i think that is genius i think it is absolutely genius and i wish more games figured out a smart intelligent way to do that that's a little bit more natural 
in the context of the world rather yeah. than just being like, hey, I want this player to have this information right now. And and when we, he's talking about using the scanner too, he's talking about you can use the scanner on the in the environment to see like what is interactable or or get context clues of the story, but you can also use the scanner to like scan the enemies and just the different creatures to tell you it's almost like a Pokedex style, like here's some information about this creature, this is what they're like weak against or like this is like a not necessarily there are the weak against missiles, but it's like they have a soft belly. So if you would, you know, like things like that, where it's like, oh, like I think like that one creature that like when you were in the morph ball, it ate you up, but then it told you about like its weaknesses with its belly or something like that. And like, I don't know. I, I really appreciated like how the game in a sense rewarded you for putting in the effort and putting in like the more you scan, the more you got out of it, I guess. Right, they, at least for the enemies, they always made it worthwhile, and most of, like, the key research things, those were pretty digestible if you decide to read them. Um, the last two things I wanted to bring up before um, we swat to somebody else, like, I did like how this game kind of does the biome thing, so you have Talon 4, which is this overworld, you have... Magmore Caverns, which is the lava area, Fendara Drifts, which is the ice area, the mines, which is kind of like this underground toxic area, and a couple Chosen other places ruins. here and there, but there's a there's a really good variety to that. And then the last thing I just wanted to really um, say in this game's favor was the variety of enemies, and it really... Man, I would love to see, like, the design doc on this game because it had to be incredible. Where, like, they're like, oh, well, we're making a planet. We need to make, like, a genus, a species, a subspecies. And it just feels like this very inhabited area with, like, a lot of very distinct enemies. And then you also have your, you know, like, okay, here's the, you know, variant of this enemy or this, here's the ice version of this enemy. But there is at least probably, I'd say, 80-ish unique creatures, foes that you could scan. I might be overestimating, but... No, I, I think, like, honestly, I think you're not that far off because I was like... And that's not including, like, boss... I mean, I mean, you can include bosses, but, like, yeah, I, I would say, like, that sounds about right. Which is wild to think about because it's not something that I had thought about. Like, I, I knew there was a lot of different enemies but just like that number is like yeah that sounds right which is kind of crazy because like the only other game that i can really think of like that and forgive me for bringing up the ds word but dark souls where they have oh, I, was gonna say, I thought you were gonna say donkey kong <laughs> donkey kong does have a decent amount of enemies for a I platformer know. i know yeah. it's like one of my favorite parts about beating that game was seeing all the enemies <laughs> Um, but yeah, like what, what everything Dante said, like I really, really like the various biomes and like, like just the exploring them. I obviously I had like certain ones I favored than others. And the other cool thing too, is like when you, cause you're doing a lot of backtracking is like a, has negative connotations, but you're revisiting areas multiple times. And even as you're progressing in the game, like they're changing the types of enemies that you're seeing. Like it's it it 
it's not necessarily like, oh, now you're fighting completely different sets of enemies, but sometimes it's like, oh, now this enemy that you, like, now you're f- facing space pirates of this enemy. Oh, and now these space pirates are the types of space pirates that um, have studied your um, uh, your weaponry and now are immune to certain weapons and things like that. So I, I really like how like area like there was a little bit that changed as you were re going back to certain places. Um, um, one thing I want to say about the backtracking is I feel like it's really well done with this game in that. You know, some games you can tell it's like artificially used to just like extend playtime, but like you never, at least I never really felt like they just did it just to make the game longer. Like it's, there's always a reason for going back. There's always something worth doing, you know, and it doesn't feel like, and it's not like a chore. Like I never did it and I'm like, oh my God, I hate that I had to go all the way back here for something like, you know, I never found myself ever saying that. I did. I, I think it, it was specific, like, the. I think the mines specifically, that one was a little bit rough for me to go back to, because of, like, it was, like, a very specific way you had to access it, so you were, like... So, oh, so, yeah. I, I, okay, I kind of see what you're saying, then. Um, that, that one was the one that was, I would say, the most painful for me, because it was just, like... Okay, I gotta go through these six rooms before I can get to the part where I need to get to. And in order to backtrack, I either, or in order to leave once I go to that spot, I need to either go back through those six rooms or go through these four other rooms to get to, you know, and like that was always like a thing that I, I, I didn't like the phase on mines. Uh, also, just because the, ty- the, the, the types of enemies you were fighting were like way more advanced. And like, yeah. I think for me too, like, um, I think it's to the game's credit, uh, but, like, I never felt, like, super strong. Like, I knew that I could, like, handle, like, all the fodder enemies, but, like, I I, I didn't register in my head that I had as much life as I did. So, like, I wasn't, like, I was clearing out rooms every time I went to them. That, whoa, no wonder. Yeah, I was wondering why you said you hated backtracking so much, I'm like, does he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, cause, like, what would happen, especially, like, later on with the space pirates and everything, is, like, those, b- like, bigger, badder enemies, like, especially when the platforming sections, if you got hit by them while you're doing, like, some jumps, I always got knocked off and had to start over. And so, like, it, especially later on in the game, um, when there's way more space pirates, like, when you when you get to the impact crater and, like, you have to do the Chozo ruins, like, it, those types of enemies kept knocking me off platforms all the time um so yeah it i i I got to the point later on where i was just like i'm just gonna ignore it and like focus on the mission at hand or where i'm trying to go but yeah like i would say the first uh i would say 90 80 80 to 90 percent of this game i was clearing out every room i went into every time i would say it's Yeah, aside from the mines, really, I never did that whatsoever. It just was like a nuisance. Like it, like the specific enemies were such a nuisance. The the little turret uh, guns, those things were a pain. The turrets uh, I had to take out occasionally for sure. The turrets, uh, sometimes depending on the platforming section, like those little spiky enemies that they were super slow, but sometimes they would knock me off if I like wasn't paying attention. 
Um, and then, obviously, like I said, the Space Pirates and just those, like, any form of the Space Pirates, they were pretty uh, annoying. And then also, too, like, one of the things that I ran into when I was playing the game was... Um, I, I was I was really bad at I was bad at combat in this game because I wasn't great at dodging, so I was like taking a whole bunch of damage. And there were many times where I accidentally like I got to a new room and I did a big fight and then I went the wrong path and missed the save point, died, and then I lost like a whole bunch of progress. Not a whole bunch, but lost like thirty, forty minutes of progress and it was like, Well crap. And then I realized after I did that all that stuff over again Oh, if I would have went to the left room instead of the right room, there's the safe room. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah, it, like uh, the phase on mines, man. I hated the phase on mines. <laughs> that they had a particularly long section in that in that game where I was just getting bodied and uh, that that stupid invisible enemy. That was a pain. The invisible. Um... Elite troops or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not See, the one that flew in that in that. Oh, one the room. invisible sentry. Yes, yes. Yeah, I have no clue um, what the actual strategy for that was. Like literally, the one enemy in the game, I just kind of like just sprayed and prayed to some extent. So I did some reading, and you're supposed to that that enemy fight uh, um, promoted using the free aim, like not relying on the auto aim. And you were supposed to use, I believe it was the wave, the, the purple one, like a char- charge wave shots. Gotcha. I think I used a super missile and just hit him. And yeah. Luckily, I got him, but he, he was like, the part of the game he's talking about specifically, it was like a, I'd say, a minimum 30 to 45 minute run up to that point without a save. So he got me very close to dying after that kind of long extended period of time, so... I got lucky. I died twice, so mm. yeah. There was there was a couple times too, like just with the backtracking, where it was like I was going through rooms on my last life bar with fifty percent health, and I was like, "There's got to be a save," because I knew if I started backtracking, I was going to fight the enemies that I just killed. Yeah. So it was like I'm in like a no win situation. So I need to keep moving forward because moving back is not going to help me either i'm like if i keep moving forward there has to be a save room has to be a save room and so like the very first time i fought that dude was in that situation where i was like well shoot i have two full life bars right now but i don't even i don't even see what i'm getting shot by and the second time it was like i got to him and i had like five life bars but i didn't know what i was doing still and uh yeah and then of course like you said right after you beat him there's a save point there was so many times where i died and then I would have to fight that enemy again. And when I fought them, like, literally, like, there was a save point right after the enemy that killed me. I got really close to dying once. Like, super, super close. I was, I think oh, I you didn't die at all? Eight. No, I did have to, I guess, manually reset once to avoid dying. But it wasn't even, like, I don't even want to call it my fault. It's like... You know, right before you fight that boss we were talking about, like the second or third to last boss, there's an area with a morph ball where you can um, go into the phase on, and you keep having to break these rocks, and eventually it leads to an energy tank. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't have the phase on suit, and I tried to do that. And I did. I did that too, and I was like, "What the hell? How long does this path go for?" And then yeah. I died. <laughs> yeah, because when you first get there, and I don't know if this is like a, I can't really complain about it per se, but like the way the phase on damage works is you start taking a little bit of damage, then you take a little bit more damage, then you take a little bit more damage, and it didn't become very evident until like. The very you know, rock run. three or four that you were completely just effed. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But I, I did the same exact thing. I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of damage, but there's clearly something here. And then I get down to that bottom one. I, I knocked out like four or five boulders, and I'm like, this thing keeps going. I'm like, oh, I died. Oh, shoot. And I was like, I guess I can't do this right now. <laughs> yeah. Greg, did you go along, grow, go down that path, or did you... <laughs> Just be like, forget this for right now. He probably didn't have enough no, life. Yeah, I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, um, well, uh, did you guys have a favorite, like, uh, biome or favorite, favorite, least favorite? I know, I think I think we all said, like, Phazon was probably our least favorite, the Phazon mines. Uh, the Snow One's Fendra. Fendara. Rifts, Drifts or something like yeah, that. I think that might have been probably one of my favorites, I think. Fendara is pretty cool. I I like Talon quite a Like, not Talon, but um, I like the Chozo Ruins. I think those are pretty cool. I was about to say Talon, but it's got that um, frigate Orphean crash thing, which underwater section, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gets manageable once you get the varia suit or varia suit however you pronounce it that's the one that lets you just jump in the water like normal like without yeah it pretty much disables all the physics <laughs> just, okay yeah 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 yeah, the, yeah uh I, i'm with greg i like the chozo ruins but yeah what we're kind of talking about is that there there was a brief part in this game especially the underwater parts i was like i don't really want to play this game anymore <laughs> Like, it, it was dragging, and I was like, this stuff sucks. And I didn't know that you were getting a gravity suit or whatever to... Once it once the physics of the game broke, I was, like, back in. But there was, like, a brief moment where I was like, I don't really want to play this game anymore. Because that stuff was... Not only did it... I, I don't want to say it looked, like... It, it didn't look great. It made me think of, like, N64, like, water sections in games. But it just was yeah. like, it just dragged on. And it wasn't really like, it felt like it was the one part of the game where I felt like they, it was I don't like know. filler, dude. <laughs> I don't like know it wasn't important. Like you had to get there. I don't know if you had to do anything there before you got the various suit or not. I ended up stumbling there beforehand and it was kind of a chore. But once I had the suit, it was fine. It just it just was like very like why did they include this in this game? It's kind of how I felt. And it felt like they were like trying to lengthen the game. And I get it too. It is like underwater is a biome. So like it, they were they were able to show some new enemies that you didn't like wouldn't have otherwise been able to see. But I was just like there was nothing memorable about those sections to me. That it music was, was real good though. I mean, yeah. I mean, sure, sure. But that I would say that about damn near every section, to be honest. Well, so, um, let's see. What else? There was one other thing. I did. You, uh, um, 
what do you guys think of the like combat? Then I, we haven't really really touched on combat. What do you guys think of like the the combat with the locking on the different uh, beams, the the different? I mean, we've already touched on the visors. Um, and I guess we didn't really talk about it. The so you had um, visors that you unlocked throughout the game. So you, I think in the beginning you just had I think it was left on the D pad was the scanning visor. And up was the combat visor, which was your default. And then later on, you unlocked a, uh, what is it? Uh, X-ray was down, and what was the right one? It was the uh, heat. Thermal. Thermal, thermal. Um, and then they also did the same thing, uh, at least with the GameCube controller. It was with the C-Stick. So up was your normal beam. Uh, right was the wave beam, which was the second weapon that you unlocked that had some uh, slightly different properties. And then left was the um, plasma beam, and down was the ice beam. Um, so, like by the end, you had four different weapon type or four different types of beams. They could all be charged. They all had slightly different properties that they did. Then there was also like completely optional um, secondary fire options for all of these items. Um, I think I only got the the plasma, the one which was a flamethrower. But there was an optional for the ice, and there was an optional for the wave as well. And then in addition, you had your normal um, or your traditional staples with the morph ball bombs, the missiles, the super missiles. So there was a lot of, by the end of the game, there were a lot of tools at your guys' at your disposal. Um, but what did you guys think about the combat? Greg, you can go first. Um, I liked it for the most part. I think the... Uh... Like they were talking about earlier with the aiming, I mean, it only became an issue a couple times, but um, I mean, I liked being able to have the different, uh, like the different beams. Uh, I use, I mean, you have to use different ones for different enemies, but like I just found myself switching in general, um, just kind of depending on the situation. Like sometimes I found the ice, even if it's not an enemy that was like super weak to ice, I kind of appreciated being able to freeze the enemy and take them out with a missile. But, uh, but yeah, in general, I mean, I like the combat. I didn't really have, uh, any big complaints other than, like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, when you do have to backtrack, sometimes you run across some of the same enemies. But I would just kind of, if they're easy enough, I'd take them out. Um, but if they weren't, I might just dip out pretty quickly and just kind of get past them. But, um, but in general, yeah, I really did like the combat in this game. Yeah, just piggybacking on what Greg just said, um, I think the game does a really good job of making use of all of its tools, per se. Like, you start with the power beam and eventually you get the wave beam, um, ice, and then plasma. But all of them are useful, even in in-game. So, like, none of the stuff gets obsoleted, per se. Like, I think you can have a preference, but at the end you're definitely having to switch more often. And, um, what else was I about to say? Just, I really like how the lock-on mechanic of this game works. And just how they didn't force themselves to make a first-person shooter. So many other developers would have been like, oh, well, we're in first-person. We have to, you know, follow all of these standards, industry standards for first-person shooting. And we just... You manually aim on every enemy, but Nintendo, Retro in this case, like looked at what they had and they're like, well, this game, the focus isn't really on that first person precision per se. Let's focus on 
just doing the lock-on, and then the challenge becomes dodging and also choosing the right weapon for the right occasion. And in retrospect, it kind of baffles me that this is kind of a one-of-a-kind game. There, I can't think of another first-person shooter or first-person shooting adventure game that has any system like this where you lock on rather than manual aim and then you have like, you know, three or four different weapons you're constantly switching between. Like, kind of the closest thing I can think of is Ratchet and Clank and that's a completely different beast in its own. That's not even first person, but... Yeah, maybe that's... I'm trying to think of anything else. Yeah, I'm... I'm, Yeah. I can't think of anything. And I just wonder if it's like... Is this just an incredibly difficult type of game to develop? Or do people like, you know, do corporations or whatever just, you know, they saw the sales of this and like this game for having a 97 Metacritic, which is astonishing. I don't think it's so like, I think it's so well, but I don't think, you know, it wasn't like freaking Elden Ring that's selling 20 million copies in two weeks or whatever. So yeah. I, I just kind of wonder, like, why more games didn't adopt this. What what was the actual reason for that? I think I think probably some of it had to do with like if you think about it, like this game came out November of twenty twenty two. Why did I say that? November of twenty. <laughs> Starting. Oh, okay, so you're the... you're you're announcing the Switch Metroid Prime remake that they've been talking about for about like five years. No, it's like <laughs> starting it off with twenty immediately just negates i don't say 2008 i don't say 2009 i start with 2010 but i'm so, so this used game's to, almost 20 years old is what you're telling me they came is, out in june is. right no november 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 okay november yeah so um oh yeah and th- that was why i selected this game too it was the like gonna be the 20 year anniversary of this game um i forgot to say that earlier but um yeah like if you think about it it's like this is a first person game but, like, this was, what, less than a year, about a year after Halo? And I feel like that was, like, the... It's funny because I have some Metacritic reviews from 2002 pulled up. Oof. And a lot of them talk about the things that people cared about back then. Er, no multiplayer. Put it, put it. Uh, and sure enough, uh, no, no dual analog. Do, uh, do, you, do you want me? Do you want me to start? <laughs> well, we'll save them because I, now I need to think about exactly what yeah, I know. Yeah. Multiplayer is going to be a big thing, and that was something. Yeah. If I recall, that they added to the sequel, Echoes, which not as well received. Yeah. So, so I, I think I think it was kind of like the deviating point. It's like there's two different. Not to say that there's only two, but you know, I could I could definitely see it being do we want to be a Metroid or do we want to be a Halo? And mm-hmm. sales, reception, uh, all those things, like I think the barometer or like the metric is like we wanna be the big game, we wanna make the money, we wanna be known as a so I think that it was like I think that's why this game is a one of one, is because there were other games that were doing something similar that was maybe a little bit easier to attain. Yeah. Like, not to say that Halo doesn't take work and, like, that that's, you know, that's why Halo is Halo is because, you know, that there's so many Halo clones, but not a lot of, like, games that did it. But it was like, 
this is easier to do and this is what people want over something like Metroid. Which right. obviously and then won Met- a lot of war- I was going to say, Metroid was so masterfully done. If they put anything less than that out in the same, you know, ilk on a different console, it just... It wouldn't hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think fail like aiming for Halo and failing, you would have more success than aiming for Prime Metroid Prime and failing. Because yeah. at the very least, you have a first-person shooter and a multiplayer, and people, you know, that is enough to draw people in. Whereas, yep. like, you do something like Metroid and it's and, and you fail, it's like, well, why do they try to do this? This game is dumb. There's no multiplayer. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been any, at least to my knowledge, indie games that have kind of aped on this thing. Granted, indie, typically, you know, like, I feel like 2D is kind of a more popular thing for just homages to other games for indie, the indie scene, but... Huh. I'm, I'm sure there are some games. It's just we... I mean, it's 20 years of <laughs> time between this there has to be some games that were inspired by this game and like maybe they didn't like whole cloth like take every single aspect but like they probably took some of these aspects of this game and applied it cuz uh what you the, initially you were talking about the lock on was the thing like the lock on and just using like what was the specific thing that you were saying like you were hoping that or were wondering just why. like essentially a first person game that is a shooter that doesn't focus on like manual aim per se, because this was just an a this was a different approach to how aiming would work in a first person environment. And I guess there probably have been some other games that have a lock on thing, but not to the degree this did. I guess never played yeah, it. Yeah, like, I was just thinking about like Zone of the Enders, but that's not a first person game. But it has like kind of like a similar. A lot of third person games do have this type of lock on mechanism, but I just can't think of a first person one that does. Off the top of my head. Yeah, I was trying to think like hmm. that has like a dodging system. You know, like there's probably like a. If I had to guess, there's probably a mech game that does something similar to this, and you know, Zone of the Enders does have like a cockpit view, from what I remember. But I think that's about as close as you're going to get. Or like a Star Fox when you go into, you know, first person mode. And that's not even like lock on lock. You have a lock on, but it's not necessarily your primary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Nobody else tried that. It's hard, man. It's like, what's, what's that? That, uh, that was it? Shadow of Mordor? game where everybody's like this thing is going to be the next big thing in video games nobody did it <laughs> <laughs> oh the nemesis really system game, huh? i guess when it came out i don't know how how people feel about it now they came out with a sequel didn't they yeah yeah but like it that was like the thing where it's like you would assume like this thing is like the next advancement in you know video games and like you're gonna see this everywhere and it's just like i don't know if it was too difficult to do or it just it wasn't viable for people to include it in their games because it was like, w- w- is it worth it or whatever? But yeah, like it just did it. <laughs> I guess um, at least on the es- exploration aspect, and I mean, this isn't something that Metroid created per se, but like, I do feel like No Man's Sky and some of that stuff um, does kind of ape on 
the, you know, stranger to a planet thing and just scanning a lot of things. Like, the scanning system in this game has been picked up by a lot of games. Yeah. yeah. There's, like, specific, uh, there's, like, different aspects because I was, like, honestly, and, like, it, I'm, I'm probably way off base, but just, like, the stranger to a strange land, like, I was thinking of Portal and Portal 2. Like, mm. like I, I remember, like, the different goos and, like, how those things affected you and just, like, that kind of stuff in the second Portal. And, like, granted, it's a whole different type of game, but, um, and there is, like, platforming and, and, and all that stuff. And it's completely different, but, like, those were, like, the first two things that I, like, when I was thinking about this game and that and that game kept popping up for me. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that with the... You know, it doesn't have the lock-on thing we were saying, but, like, yeah. it does have some of that first-person platforming, which is fairly rare. Yeah, yeah. It's like the the combat in the game is, and it's not the focal point. It is an aspect of the game. Um, did you guys... Uh, let's, let's wrap this up. Did you guys have any... Uh, anything else you want to talk uh, talk about? Like, I the only other question I had was like about the bosses. If you guys wanted to, like, if you guys had a stand up boss or anything like that, or just talk about the boss fights. I really, I, I really, really, really enjoyed the boss fights. They were all super unique. I thought they did a really good. Like, they were all varied and um, took advantage of like showing you like they were well thought out, well created boss fights I felt like um I don't think there was anyone maybe besides some of the later fights that I was like they were like not too difficult or anything like that but it just like took a little bit longer there was like more of a like more steps in the process but I I really enjoyed it I think damn near every single boss fight which is like a rarity for me anyone in particular (laughs) that I think I liked them all I couldn't think of it or at least the ones I played. I didn't get to the last two, I guess, but... Um, last but yeah, three? The ones I played. It's th- oh, three, yeah. Are you including phase one and phase two of Prime? Before? I'm including the one once you do all of the artifacts, you fight that boss, and then, yeah, phase... Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, phase one and phase two of Prime. Yeah, yeah. So I have a list of them right here. So there's Parasite Queen, Hive Mecha, Plated Beetle. Why don't I remember Plated Beetle at all? Oh, it's... It becomes a regular enemy at some point. It's the one with the armor at its front and has, like, the red little tail thing that you shoot. Oh, I only wrote down the named enemies mm-hmm. that had, like, a big life bar. Gotcha. Yeah. You, yeah, this is more of a sub-boss, so... Because I had, dr- I'm sorry. Hmm? I had Parasite Queen, the Flogra, which was the, the big, like, uh, sunlight cre- plant creature. Uh-huh. Uh, I had Thardis, which was that giant golem that rolled around. Right. I had the Omega Pirate, which was that one that went invisible. And then it was, you know, the boss that you fight at the artifacts in the last two. So those were the only ones that were, like, named with, like, their own, like, health bar. Okay. Yeah. I thought all of them were pretty good. Um, some reason, I don't really remember anything about the Omega Pirate. Like, I know I fought him. Doesn't so, he fight like all the other he, like he had, Omega he dudes? He spawns all the other the other types of uh, pirates that have like a specific weakness. So what he did is he had like um, the four weak spots. He had one on each arm and his legs, 
and um, you had to shoot those, and then um, he would go over to the Phazon, he would turn invisible, and then he would, like, get his life back, so you had to, like, shoot him while he was getting his life back to stop him from doing that, but while he's doing that, some of those That's space pirates spawn. But he would do the same attack as the regular, like, standard Omega pirates, I guess, where they slam the ground and create the shockwave. He did that, but then he also did another one when you were super close. He would swing at you like three times. Okay. Cool. I remember all of them then. But yeah, I I, I think maybe... I, I didn't like how long the the last fight was. The, the first, the phase one part. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Like, So you're fighting this thing called Metroid Prime, and... Like, he keeps running away from you, so, like, you'll have a phase, and he does a very video game thing of, oh, I'm this color, so you need to shoot me with this color. And you do that, he'll, like, get mad, there's some trenches he digs, and you have to go morph ball to go under it. You'll do that again, then he'll break away through a wall, and you're like, okay, I probably have to do this, like, three times, and then I'll get to the phase two or whatever. No, it's more like seven times. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's literally like regard like he has like maybe one unique attack per each color, but for the most part, it's like the same three attacks. It's like super dependent on how far away you are from him. So if you're super up close, he's more likely to do him, or it's more likely to do a physical attack. If you're super far away, it's more likely to do a beam attack. And like like I said, like depending on whatever color he it is there will be one special attack tied to that. Once you do enough damage, when it's a certain color, it, like, does a charge attack at you that you have to, like, get out of the way and attacks you from the other side of the room, and it changes colors. And then you do that twice, and it goes to the, you know, digs a hole. Do that twice, digs a hole. And it, like you said, it does it, like, seven times. This is, like, a super long, drawn-off fight. The phase two had me a little worried at the very... Like, the phase two was super easy until the very last one where it starts spawning, like, the colored Metroids. And then I kind of panicked. I I hated those things. The very first time I played, I was trying to... I was trying to kill the Metroids when you were trying to get to the phase one of the boss. Mm -hmm. And I think I I went into that boss with two life bars left. Oh, jeez. Because they kept knocking me off. I, I so kind of started to wonder, are they infinitely spawning in that one? They room? were, they were, because I think I killed, okay. like, I killed like 20. Because, <laughs> yeah, I killed probably like four or five, and I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, they, I they were sworn these this was the last one, gray, and then that happened again. They were like these gray Metroids that would spawn, and you would do a, a bunch of damage to it, then it would like split off into two specific colored Metroids, and you had to use whatever your beam was tied to that color in order to kill it. So it was like you kept having two gray Metroids attacking you, and then if you destroyed both the gray ones, then you had four different colored Metroids around you. It was so frustrating because, like, you're doing platforming and you're going really high up, and they're, for whatever reason, they're really good at, like, getting stuck on you. And, like, when you. You would have to morph ball. I don't know. It was just, it was very frustrating. I kept getting grabbed mid-jump and then immediately dropping like I had like weights on my ankles or something like that. It was so frustrating. Yeah, that was definitely one of the more frustrating rooms in the game. 
I I didn't really care for the boss before it, but it wasn't like a super long fight. It was just more so like I can't attack you, I can't attack you. I gotta wait till you get close to me. I gotta wait till you get close to me. But yeah. Um, do you guys have any other things for Metroid Prime? I think we did a a good job of talking about everything. Oh 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 oh! I forgot. Let me go ahead and read these uh, Metacritics. Sure. Yeah. Go for it. All right. So. I'll, I'll say the dates for these. So this one is from 2021. And it says, shame to see what they did to this awesome franchise. Halo is better since they wanted to compete with Halo. <laughs> well, compete with Halo how? I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, this was in December of 2002. Uh, no, I, this is a zero. No, I cannot say goodbye, Halo, you stupid moron. Where is the multiplayer? Biznotch. Where's the Game of the Year award? The game is incredible, but nothing compared to the classics like Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, or Halo. The classics. This review (laughs) is in 2002. But really, the only problem with this game is that the controls are weird, but since the GameCube controller is not designed for FPS, I congratulate Nintendo on the effort. Great game. The Zero is just to get the attention of the idiot who said it's better than Halo. (laughs) Um, Mission accomplished. You did get some attention. Yeah, uh, this is uh, 2002. Two height for an average FPS. That's a one. This is a two from 2002. I don't see what the fuss is about. Crappy controls, less than par graphics, no multiplayer, and a boring story. Less Anyone than who's... par graphics? <laughs> Anyone who says it wasn't made... <laughs> what were they made... playing on? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> anyone who says it wasn't made for multiplayer is just making an excuse as to why it doesn't have it. <laughs> well... Yeah, um, so there wasn't a whole lot of negative reviews on Metacritic, thankfully. I think there was like 11, so. Man, imagine if this game came out, imagine if review bombing was a thing back in 2002, though. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. It's like, this game Um, has a two on Metacritic. Yeah, yeah. I just like how people were like, you know, no multiplayer. Also, the fact that people are saying compared to the classics, and they named three games that came out within a year of this game. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, Dante, great game, great experience? Great game, great experience. Greg, great game, great experience? Yeah, I'll say, yeah, great game, great experience. I would say this is a great game, and I had a, I had a, I've had a pretty solid experience with this game. I uh I didn't I thought I was going to like this game less than I did but there was a couple of things where I was just like Ugh. like I I definitely tried to see this game from a 2002 lens and not like try to look at it from a modern lens and so like there are some things that I'm willing to overlook cuz your boy wanted fast travel at a certain point I'm not going to lie yeah, like, the thing that surprised me most about this entire conversation was I thought I was going to have to fight you. <laughs> and I didn't have to fight you today, for real. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I, I, I would have loved fast travel in this game, but I understand that if this game had fast travel, then um, people would have overlooked a lot of the exploration aspects of this game, which is, like, super necessary. So, like, for me, personally... 
besides the boss fights, I didn't really care for combat in this game. Um, and the platforming, I'm not going to lie, first-person platforming isn't my cup of tea. But I did like the biomes. I did like the world. I did like how this game looked. And um, so that that that's honestly where I stand on this game. Like, um, it's not like I, I definitely can recognize. I think it's the same thing I said for like Resident Evils. Like, it's definitely something I can recognize where it's like this game may not have hit me in all the ways, but I can definitely see why it's hyped and why it is regarded the way it is regarded, even if it doesn't necessarily resonate with me to that level, which I think is fair, you know? One thing I did want to ask, um, do either of you have any interest of returning one to previous games in the series or to any interest in the future of the series? Um, I'd be willing to if at some point they re-release this and like, uh, like a on Switch and like, with like, you know, like redone graphics or whatever. I'd go ahead and give it a shot and try and knock out the other two, maybe. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm at least kind of excited for Metroid Prime Four just to see what how that turns out. Yeah, like I honestly, I had a lot of fun, which is really weird to say. I had a lot of fun doing the intro for this game. And, um, I had no idea about the chronology of this game. And it, it, honestly, it seems doable in a way. Like, this is a, to me, a well-regarded franchise. And it doesn't seem too daunting to be like, you know, like, I could probably play, like, Zero Mission, the Prime Trilogy. I've already played Super Metroid and probably Dread, and I would be good. Like, I think... You would really like Fusion and Dread. Those seem... Those are a little bit more linear. Mm-hmm. And they're also 2D and the... And they kind of have a um, big... Oh, my God. What's that game? Dead Cells? Dead Cells. Energy to them, in a way. Ooh. So I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, 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 I enjoyed this game, but... And I I don't really, really remember Super Metroid, but I do remember enjoying Super Metroid. And, like, I've played, like, the, you know, the Metroidvania games. So, like, I've definitely, I played was the the Shadow Complex. And I I love that game. And so, like, I definitely am, like, more at home in this type of gameplay style uh, genre when it's a 2D game. So, I I definitely think that I would enjoy those other games more. and yeah, like I, I'm definitely interested to check them out. I guess it's like a blessing and a, cl- a curse that I don't have the trilogy anymore because I definitely uh, would have could foresee myself like booting up Metroid Prime Two. Uh, but I think since I that guy was trying to hook you up, you didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but I definitely um, would be more prone to checking out the 2D games now. And like I said, I'm, I'm interested, especially with like the reception and granted I missed the, the, the discussion, but how much talk and people were doing about Dread, I'm like, yeah, I should check that game out. So we shall see. There's definitely like having done this, there's a bunch of like franchises where I'm like, I want to dip in and see how I feel about these things, but it's just kind of like always hard to do that because it's like, we're on to the next game, on to the next game. So I, I wish I did a better job of like checking in on stuff it's difficult 
It's... It is. It is. These games. These games are long. <laughs> games are fun <laughs> and they're long. Um, you guys got anything else for Metroid? All right. Where can people find you, Greg? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Boombox Hero and on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash magnegro with a zero at the end instead of an O. Did you been streaming anything? Just Street Fighter? Nothing. Nothing. Just haven't even dusted it off. When's the last time you streamed? Oh, man. It had to have been like three months ago. Oh. Something like that. It's been a while. Okay. Okay. Uh, what about you, Dante? Yeah. Where can people find you? People can find me at Twitch at twitch.tv slash awakencloud. I have been streaming, oh my gosh, um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, as well as Devil May Cry 5. Those are the two games I'm kind of um, jumping between right now. Gotcha. Are you, do, you in, uh, do you intend to stream any of our upcoming games? Um, we'll see. I kind of make it on a case-by-case basis, because sometimes it's just, if it's, like, not a long game, it's a little bit easier for me to stream, just because I can, you know, with a podcast, sometimes I just have to sneak in hours where I can, whereas streaming, you know, I try to stay to a somewhat decent schedule. Gotcha. Um, well, you guys can find me on Facebook and Twitter, at Potato Salad. Uh, if you'd like to tune in to Miss Checks Points to, to find out about Hidden Gems, Cult Classic, and Indie Games, and share us with your friends, family, and not shitty separate communities you're in, comment on our Facebook page, add us on Twitter, leave a review, preferably five stars on Apple Podcasts so we can appear higher in the leisure category. Um, I hadn't done the... We, we have our next batch of games up, and I haven't like officially done the schedule thing, but I'll go ahead and announce those here um so you guys can play along uh we are allowing my brother to select a game for this month and we had him choose a shorter game so we could kind of get back on schedule so we will be playing the swapper for april um greg were you going to join us for that uh maybe i'll um let me see how long it is you said it was pretty short yeah i think it was i think it was like five or seven hours on how long i think it was five I think it was yeah, I could probably manage that. Yeah. Um, so that'll be April for May. It is Dante's game, and it is Grandia two. Uh, mm. For it's a banger. <laughs> you played it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I beat that game before. Okay. Yeah. Oh snap! For I'm hoping. I'm, I'm my plan is is to like try to knock out the Swapper this week, and so that way I have like a month and a half <laughs> to play Grandia. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm hoping for. Um, for June, we'll have Sleeping Dogs, which is Greg's game. So we'll finally get a, an open world <laughs> game in. And then for May, or excuse me, for me, in the month of July, we'll have Super Mario Galaxy, which I am looking forward to because I haven't played a mainline Mario game since Super Mario 64. So. Wow. Not even Odyssey or anything? No, no. I, I, I did I did play uh I didn't I didn't have a um uh No I did. That's a, that's a lie. I, I don't know why I didn't get um Sunshine. Well besides I heard it was trash, but like I think usually with GameCube I mostly got ports. So I didn't really get any like I think the only first party game I had gotten was Pikmin. So I didn't what? Get, okay. GameCube's get... known for its first party games. What are you doing? I know. I didn't I didn't get any of them. I didn't get any of them. Um uh and then uh for 
yeah, I, I didn't get I didn't get a Galaxy One R Two. I think I played it. Uh, I started it. I, I played it. Did on you at least do Luigi's Wii. Mansion? No, I never played Luigi's Mansion. Huh. I had the game. I have the uh, chips and tricks of it with the whole walkthrough. Still got it. <laughs> but yeah, like I, at one point, I was like, I think I was in high school, and I was like, I need to, I need to play all the GameCube games. So I had like a list. I was like, I need to get Sunshine. I need to get um, Wario World, and I need to get Luigi's Mansion and uh, play those three games. And I never did, but I did get and um, I did play and get uh, Star Fox Adventures. Sorry, you spent time on that. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, I... Huh. Like, talk fine. about a GameCube game that everybody forgot. It was fine. <laughs> if you had never played a Zelda game, ever. Like I said, it was fun. <laughs> at that moment, at the time, I had not, so... Um, but yeah, uh, we are missed checkpoints and we're out. Peace. Peace. Oh, my God.